Welcome to Unfinished Business, a new series created to decode entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Liana Fricker, founder of Inspiration Space. Consider this a power hour of mentoring available free to you on demand. Throughout the series, you'll learn from a cross-section of founders at various stages of business growth. And from their stories, you'll pick up practical knowledge that you can use to avoid their mistakes and replicate their wins. As a founder myself, I know what it feels like to build the plane as you fly. But if you think about it differently, to be successful, a company has to keep evolving. It remains unfinished or dies. The good news? Inspiration Space gives you the confidence and knowledge you need to keep moving. We teach simple principles that inspire big ideas and connect you to the people and resources that will help accelerate your success. Built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, progress happens here. relations in layman's terms is a highly competitive industry where starting a business or having a business is the same thing like having a child and you don't know how hard it is until you do it yourself and that's what I want to talk to you about because I was employee number one and when I look back I'm like damn how did she do that at 27 years old you know build this whole thing and it's so incredible and it's so inspiring so that's what we're going to talk about today fabulous thank you and thanks for the compliment entrepreneurship feels like a roller coaster once you decide to act on your big idea the seatbelt goes click and you're on your way there's no turning back now it's all systems go so let's start with the light bulb moment so the light bulb moment, I remember it really, really clearly. So I was working in an agency, a small boutique beauty agency that no longer exists. And it was run by a woman who was not very nice, not she was not a very good human to work for. And one day myself and the other three employees, we got up and walked out and she actually didn't notice for three weeks that we'd left. Um, that's how much attention she paid to the business. And then about two months later, that business actually went under. The moment was when she was incredibly rude to one of the other team members. They were sitting there crying for months. We'd all had our daily cry and realized how underappreciated we were. And just this, the, the, the calls for me from my boss would start at five in the morning and it would just be voicemails of venom. And I thought, what am I doing? Why am I staying here? It was kind of like I had Stockholm syndrome. I couldn't leave. And I was like addicted to this malicious woman's behavior. Um, And then when I saw her behavior towards somebody else, I was like, no, I'm not standing for that. And I said to this person, should, should we just go? Should we just like we've had enough? We should not be dealing with this anymore. So we upped and left. And then I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to pay my rent <laughs> after that? Um, and I went and I spoke to a couple of people and they said, you know what? We would come on board with you. Just go for it. You're great at what you do. We believe in you. You're a good person. 
do it for yourself. And I didn't have a mortgage, I didn't have dependents, and I was free enough to be able to say, okay, as long as I can get my rent together, I, I can do this. But I had an element of sort of fear about just stepping out and doing it on my own. And I previously worked with another girl on some projects and she was sort of a freelance PR in the beauty space. So we sat down and chatted. We went for a lunch and I said, can I just pick your brains? I'm thinking of launching this agency, like a boutique PR agency. And she was like, yeah, sure, let's meet up. And she was so sweet and she was like giving me her tips and suggested an accountant and stuff. And I was like, do you know what? At the end of this conversation, at the end of this lunch, it just was really clear to me that we needed to do this together. She had the opposite skill set to me and she had fire in her belly like I did. And I think she was about a year older than me. She was like 28. And I said, let's just do it together. And she said, are you sure? But this is your thing. I was like, no, no, this isn't a thing yet. Let's do it together. So then what did you do next? Literally, we then walked over to the orange shop and got ourselves a couple of mobile phones. And I had, I think I had about a thousand pounds in my bank account. Like I had paid my rent and I had about a grand left and I recently bought a laptop on eBay. So that's how we started. She was living in a small one bed flat above a pub that was quite a cool place in Islington. And every day we just grafted and, you know, we, we set up the company at company's house. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what needed to be done. We were just sort of reading forums and looking on government websites. And we did go to something that was really helpful. It was like a, a local support group for small businesses. And they gave us loads of intel of what you need to do to set up. And that was all free. And I think there's probably even so that was 2003. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch more of those today that exist. Um, and, you know, there weren't podcasts to listen to. The Internet wasn't full of information to help females starting up um, a new brand. So we just really had to tiptoe through and find our own way. I didn't have any kind of mentor and I would say if you can get a mentor from day one, get one because it helps so, so much. Somebody who's older, who's been through a similar journey before, who's set up a business and can tell you all the pitfalls so that you don't have to make those mistakes, um, then definitely do that. Finding a name was so hard. That's like, I'm sure anybody who starts a business will agree. One of the hardest things especially now because so many more domain names are taken so we came up with the name and originally we were called boudoir pr by january 2004 we were incorporated and straight away we got two clients um taylor taylor the beautiful bradley taylor hair salon and the other one was king's road sporting club which isn't there any longer sadly but a real institution of sloan square and the owners were also really supportive of what we were doing. They loved our enthusiasm. They knew we were going to work really hard for them. And they loved that. And they really bought into us as people. And then we had enough money to get a small serviced office on South Moulton Street. And so we decorated it. We were like, OK, what about brown colours? And we decorated it and nearly choked ourselves to death on gold spray paint. <laughs> 
And we were having the times of our lives with like no money in our pockets, scraping by, but just so high on life, so excited. And we both really had a no failure approach. There was nothing in my head that thought this is going to fail ever. And still to this day, I just still have that positive mental attitude, that glass half full. There is a way through it. Don't get blinded by the fog. Don't get blinded by the negativity. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Forward is the only direction you can take. So we both had that attitude. And I think that helped us so much in the first couple of years, actually. As you ride the highs and lows of founder life, you're going to face unforeseen challenges. And when you come from outside the status quo of what society traditionally presents as the quote unquote classic entrepreneur, the journey can be even more arduous. There'll be a stumbling block. Something will come along, a client will leave, a client will cut budget, or a fantastic employee number one will say they're moving on to the next agency. Um, there's always something. And just as you think, oh my goodness, look at us. We're really in the swing. This is awesome. Something will come along and slap you in the face and cut you back down to size. The first couple of years were exciting and new. And then things started to get a bit more serious and we were starting to grow. And my thing and Tate, I think my partner's thing as well was we are a small boutique beauty agency. But we were good and we had good skills and we had great people and clients just kept coming to us. So we were quickly growing. And within the first year, I think we had four rooms in these serviced offices and a showroom. Because I remember that we we it was like a takeover. And what I find fascinating about hearing this part of the story is a the memory that you two were 27 and 28. And I just thought you were so mature and grown up and you know and then the fact that you bootstrapped this and oh yeah at the time starting a business was a lot more expensive the fact that y'all had to pay for an office you know like employees it's it's even more impressive when I hear about it now and I have my own business and like how did you make that work especially in those moments when you were like oh my god there's no money. And in those moments, it was, we have to pay our suppliers and our team. People are the number one thing. And from the beginning, people were everything. I'd worked in a space where I was bullied. I was unhappy. I am naturally like a size 10. I was a size six and I had acne. And I was so miserable, so unhealthy, not sleeping, wondering about my own intellect, wondering, am I good enough? And that's not right. People's mental health has to come first. And today, all the way through, my team have been the most important thing. And over the years, there have been clients who have had a toxic culture, perhaps haven't understood the best working practice with their agency. And we've turned around and said, you know what, you're not worth it. And you don't deserve us. And you don't deserve my people. So sorry, but gracefully, we're resigning your account. So always number one is my people. Then, of course, our suppliers and the people we work with, we always make sure we pay everybody and on time as much as cash flow allows. And today we're fortunate enough that it is on time. But in those early days, 
your relationships with your suppliers are really important. I remember you talking about the lookbooks. One time we had a fashion week launch for a, a designer from Los Angeles and she had cash flow issues, but we really believed in her. And all, managing cash flow is an art. And when you have got a small business, you become really adept at dealing with that dynamic. And so we really learned very quickly how to deal with cash flow. And um, number one thing I would say to people as well is look at your bank balance every single day. Understand what's going on in your bank account every day. When you get to the size that you've got a financial director, we are today a multi-million pound company. I still look at my bank account every day, not for vanity, but just to make sure I'm not overpaying people. I'm not paying people twice. I've got enough money in that bank account that if no one pays us for three months, I can still pay my team for three months. Keep on top of those finances and don't ignore them when it gets stressful because those early years, there's going to be lots of really stressful cash flow moments. Don't just put your head in the sand and think it's going to go away. It's just going to get worse. You know, I was a, a fashion and beauty PR. I was good at going to parties and networking and speaking to journalists and stylists and getting celebrities to wear product. I wasn't good at VAT returns. <laughs> I wasn't good at cash flow management. I didn't know how to do payroll. And these were all things that my partner and I had to learn, even from um, sort of how to write an invoice, the template of an invoice. Today, you've got things like zero, but back in 2004, you didn't, you didn't have that. So the other thing I would say, your people, your relationships, really good accountant. Don't try and be your accountant. You just can't. You have to have to invest and speak to people. Get referred to account, your accountant. Don't just find someone that you find on the Internet and they're advertising and they're a big company. Find someone that suits you and your needs and understands your business and interview them. When you first meet your accountant, you must grill them. Do they really understand your business? Are they excited about your business? Are they there for the journey with you? And what about, you know, a setback or like an oh shit moment? You're like, oh my goodness, I probably shouldn't have done that. So actually, this was another thing. We had quite a big accountancy firm right from the get-go who was recommended by somebody. But um, unfortunately, the person in that business was selling up and retiring. And he didn't really care. He didn't have the time to care about us. And he forgot to um, file a tax return for us. And then I remember this was the most terrifying moment of our lives at the time, getting this letter from HMRC saying, well, you, you owe £100,000 and you've got five days to pay it. I'm like, what the holy hell's gone on here? We're, <laughs> we're off. We're on the run. No, I'm joking. But it was it was terrifying. And we're like, how's this? got to this point why we don't have this money and surely we don't know this this is a mistake and at the time HMRC were very good they worked with us and we got a payment plan over six months and but this was a really big accountancy firm and we were a tiny fish for them and they just had overlooked it and they didn't care but equally they also didn't care when we said to them but you messed this up for us and they're like well yeah sorry about that we still got to pay it so Really make sure the accountancy company gets you and what you're doing. And yeah, like I said, grill a few um, and make sure they're in it for the long haul. 
So something I want to talk about is, is vision. Having seen everything grow and evolve over the years, how do you keep your vision and your mission and that drive? Just a, a bit more on the journey to help with the vision piece. Um, my partner exited the business in 2011. And at that point, um, I realized, okay, this is now my vision. Before this was our vision, and now it's my vision. And I get to do what the hell I like. And I am incredibly driven. I am a big picture person. I, I kind of have these visions in my head of, you know, what I want it to be, what I want it to look like, what could really work. And I, I am quite lucky in that I have bit of an ADHD character, I, I am constantly thinking and constantly coming up with these ideas and then, you know, you, it's the follow through, isn't it? You can come up with the idea, but you've then got to put it into action. So it's making sure that piece happens. And so I have great people in place now. We're a team of 40 today. Uh, 2012, I gave equity to somebody who'd been in the business um, she joined, I think, 2007 as um, a fashion account executive. She is fantastic. Holly, today, she's my wing girl. We're like sisters. We have never had an argument. We finish each other's sentences. She knows what I'm thinking before I've thought it and vice versa. And we both have two children. And so also that part really helps as well because when you have kids, your focus becomes like so much more acute because you're even more time poor. So on the vision piece, prior to setting up the business in 2004, I'd worked in the digital space in 2001. And obviously it was very different then. People weren't really prepared to give over their credit card online. Um, but I always knew like we've got to stay ahead in the digital space. We've got to make this agency digital first from the get go. So we were always, you know, from 2007 when the blogosphere blew up, we were always making those relationships and really understanding digital. And in the PR world, it was there was a lot of agencies that were kind of afraid. And we were the very first agency, PR agency in the UK to set up. We're already giving strategy and ideas to these people. We're already going with our own accounts to deliver brand deals. We should also be part of shaping the future of what this looks like. And now today, you know, many PR agencies have got divisions that are uh, influencer focused um, and representing talent. And my team stay with us a long time because we're invested in them as people we are invested in their careers. And I always say to my team from like every three or six months, what do you want for the next two years? What do you want for the next five years? Because I want you here. You're great. You're, we've worked hard to find you. And I don't want you to leave. I want to continue to invest in you. And we're big enough that they can be in the fashion team one one minute. Two years later, they're in the in the beauty team. People like Bex, who's been with us for about, I think, seven or eight years, she was in our fashion PR team, worked her way up and kind of got bored and started looking for another job in the digital space. I was like, no, 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 no. And Holly and I sat down with her and said, OK, you're not going anywhere. What can we what can we give you to satisfy your appetite? Because you're an entrepreneur. You you want more, but we want you to have it here. 
and she's now the MD, if you like, of, of Summer, our influencer agency. And during this time as well, she's had a baby and she's pregnant again. And we work with her to flex that and make that work for her too, because we employ 39 women and, and one lovely gentleman. Um, so we have to be flexible about maternity and life. And I think the pandemic has shown us as well how working from home works. So we're always looking at adapting the business, adapting the business to our needs for growth, um, our clients' needs. Again, in the pandemic, it's changed so, so much. Um, the client service piece, what people want, the, the percentage of the 360 campaign has changed. So making sure we can support that and future-proofing our business with best-in-class service and people to deliver that service. Um, yeah, and just constantly looking at being better. This common thread is your desire to create a really happy workplace. That light bulb moment, that inspiration to never have anyone experience what you experienced in the working world and so you you had your children once the business was established how how did that fit together a huge learning curve because my husband and I went into having kids thinking that they would fit into our life and it's not we just fit into their life <laughs> we were talking this morning about how, again, through the pandemic, we all had this quiet time. You weren't doing the kids' clubs. There weren't there weren't the school runs so much either at, at points. Although there was the home learning, which give those teachers a pay rise immediately, please. Um, but yeah, it's it's been hard. You know, what, my son went through a period from kind of age. 18 months to three years old where we just couldn't go to a restaurant because he'd be running out the front door down the street you know that period um and we were used to eating out three four nights a week um and we just really thought that they'd fit into that but you know you have to adapt and change and that also helps you uh, in business um continue to learn to be flexible because that's something that i'm really focused on i read lots of books around every different aspect of growth, personal growth, business growth, business development, how to continue to nurture team, you know, all of that good stuff. That part's never, ever left me and it will never, ever leave me because I was so deeply emotionally scarred by that person that I worked for before setting up the business. And it is the founding block of this business. I want to have that kind of connection with my employees. I want them to feel like, not like I'm their mom, but, but we are a family. And if your family are together and they're happy and united, it's going to work for your business. And also your clients will recognize it. Um, so, yeah, that will be the core of me. If that ever changed, I'd close the business. Ego is something that we do see with brands, of course. You know, somebody has a light bulb moment, starts a brand, and then suddenly they're a 300 million pound company. And, you know, you, you see how the ego changes. And that's really sad. Um, so I would never want that. I'm not that kind of person. Holly isn't that kind of person. And the team are all very good people. There's no 
you know, the industry can be bitchy. It can be self-serving. We, but we notice the personality of our employees, not just their experience, but when we're interviewing, we look at who they are as a person, as a human. And we, 50% of the reason we will make an offer to someone to join us is based on them as a human rather than the skills that they might have because we can help them we can train them we can mold them to become better they will grow with us but you there there has to be that personality trait in them that fits with us the money towards that deposit is what i convince her to start the business I represent the quadruple whammy of unfundability. I am female, I am older, I'm a woman of colour and I have a sex tech venture. We didn't know what we were doing, we didn't know what needed to be done. And I and that, that hurt, taking time off, because I'm a one-man band, right? Business is tough. And with Inspiration Space, you don't have to do it alone. If you have a pressing goal, burning ambition, desire to take a big leap forward, join New Beginnings, our 90-day business transformation program. The live sessions are amazing. That's how students describe New Beginnings. All we ask is that you dedicate two hours a week working on your business, and we promise you'll progress faster than you can imagine. Our action-based learning methods mean you roll up your sleeves and put the knowledge you gain to work now. And the cherry on top? You'll learn strategic planning skills that you can use and reuse as your business grows. Created by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, the mentors and experts that you meet during New Beginnings have been in your shoes and know what it takes to start from zero. With one-to-one guidance throughout, you're in safe hands. Lean on our hard-earned expertise as you navigate the highs and lows of working for yourself. If you self-identify as ambitious and are ready to get unstuck, head over to www.theinspirationspace.co forward slash new beginnings to find out more. Entrepreneurship has been the most humbling experience of my life. I've grown so much as a person in, in softer ways. Can you tell us a moment like you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Wow, we, we've had a great journey, growth year on year on year. I don't even have a word to describe what Holly and I went through. Um, we, when we went into the pandemic, we'd taken our um, leadership team down to a lovely spa hotel for a couple of days away to brainstorm the excitement of the next year. 2019 had been our best year ever. Um, the growth was phenomenal. The brands we were working with, the campaigns we were delivering, we were winning awards. It was fantastic. We were riding on the crest of that wave. And then, boom, slap in the face, Boris gets on his podium. <laughs> so we'd been down at this this away. We were all talking about, you know, Italy and what we were seeing in the news and weighing up whether or not this was going to be hitting us. And thinking, no, 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 you know, ignorance. We were just, no, no, no. And if it does, it's only going to be a couple of months. We were talking to people in China, and they were obviously not being completely honest with us and telling telling us that it'd been a couple of months of a rocky road, but it was it was fine now. Okay, well, it won't be too bad in in the UK. We're 
we'll be fine. And then obviously we came back from this away day and a week later, Holly and I were standing in our office saying goodbye to our team because everyone was going to go into the lockdown on the Monday. Um, everyone was crying. Everyone was saying, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. And we were standing there thinking, I don't know when I'm going to see these people again. And I don't know where our business is going to be in six months time or if we're going to have a business. And it was absolutely terrifying. And I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and think this is a nightmare. Oh, no, it is actually reality. <laughs> and then I would sit on the edge of my bed for a few minutes and I would just think, OK, I've got to put a brave face on for my kids. And then I've got to put a brave face on for the team. And I need to let my clients know that we are good, we're strong, we're continuing and figure out a way of working from home, getting product out to people. You know, how is it all going to suddenly work from home? Because we've always had a West End office because we're a PR agency, right? So you've got to be in W1. You've got to be in the heart of the action. So we're like, how the hell is this going to work? But we figured it out. Um, but 60% of our um, brands went, okay, we have to pause. We have to like slow down budgets, cut this off, do this. Um, and every day, Holly and I were taking calls from clients who were just cutting, cutting, cutting. And we thought there's only so much cutting. So then we started modeling the business with our FD and going through, you know, what if, if every single client lost when? How long can we last? Just really going into fight or flight mode. But it was exhausting. It was emotionally draining. And on top of that, having my family at home and spending time with my kids in such a new, lovely way. Uh, there, there was a moment, I would say, in April where I just got, and Holly too, we just got to the point of exhaustion and thought, how about we just wrap this up? And as quickly as we said that to one another, we sort of laughed. No way. This is going to be over in six months. This is we're fighters. We don't give up. We've never given up. And our agency is brilliant. Our people are brilliant. Our brands are brilliant. Our clients are amazing. And one by one, our clients came back. And by July, we were seeing it build again. And by September, we were kind of back at 80%. And we are busier and bigger than we have ever been before. And it's fantastic. And gosh, it was a journey through that pandemic. I think I aged about 10 years, but thank God we didn't give up. And it was exhaustion. It wasn't for, for not loving the business and what we do and the team and the clients. It was pure and utter emotional exhaustion and physical exhaustion too, because we were working 14, 18 hour days because we had a few people on furlough. Everyone was stepping up and working harder than they'd ever worked. And when you're working from home as well, you then just naturally work extra hours because it's there, it's in front of you. But you have to look after yourself and you have to have those breaks. That's actually given Holly and I, a whole sense of renewed vigor for our business because we're in love with it more than ever before. We value it more than ever. We also recognize the strength of our reputation, the strength of our team. 
and the strength what we've built. So you've put your fear in the fuck it bucket and you're committed to the climb. Even though you may feel like you're constantly swimming against the current, make sure to stop to celebrate how far you've come. Progress is progress and acknowledging your achievements will keep you motivated whenever things get tough. Oh my God, I remember when you brought in the, um, the scorecard where we had to get points for coverage. <laughs> Stop it, did I? Yes. Oh my God. Because I used to hate yeah. picking up the phone and selling in. And you were like, come on, just do it. And I, one of the best bits of advice you gave me was network with people on your level because what will happen is you will grow together. And so I want to talk a bit about your ability to build relationships because that's another thing that is this common thread. You are a, a, a genuine person. You wear your heart on your sleeve and you're really loyal. And I would imagine that's served you very well in business. Holly always says to me that I attract crazies. <laughs> so take that how you will, Liana. <laughs> but I like to call people dynamic. Like I, I'm a listener. I love people. I really love people. Like I'm passionate about people. <laughs> and so I will sit, you know, if, if you're on the bus and there's someone a bit like, oh, you know, the, the, the person everyone's moving away from, I'm the person that goes and sits next to them. <laughs> so I'm interested in listening to every kind of person. And I fully believe that every single person brings something. They're going to, bring you something that are going to connect you in some way. And I don't mean that in a, in, in a way that is I take from everybody. I want to forge genuine relationships. One thing I do find quite difficult is dealing with people who are not genuine. I do find it difficult to have any kind of connection with them. I see straight through them. I see that they're totally fake. But, you know, in this industry, there's going to be a few but there will be something in them that's making them behave like that. And that's what I'll go after. I'll, you know, they're going to have some goodness in them. They're going to have some kind of insecurity or something that you can connect with and develop a more genuine connection. Um, and, and that's where you'll then find a different face, a different aspect of them and be able to forge a relationship like that. So I think um, I put in a lot of time into my relationships. I care if I think I've said something that could have hurt someone or upset someone, I will really sit on it and think about it and scold myself about it and be more hurt than they are feeling probably. <laughs> um, and it might have been something that's actually even gone over their head, but I'll still sit on it and stew on it and think, oh my gosh, have I upset them? Um, so I, yeah, I, I care about people and it has served me well in business because the all of our leadership team and also just to say holly is very much the same but she probably filters out the the dynamic people a bit faster than i do <laughs> um yeah she's good at identifying them i think it's an aquarian trait her husband's an aquarian and she says he's the same so i think it's us aquarians you know we're we're a different breed anyway um our leadership team of how many people would it be today? Um, I would say there's probably 
a good 12 to 15 people in the agency who've been here for eight years or more. Um, and that's testament to them and their graft and their listening and they're not being wooed by carrots that are dangled by those cheeky recruiters out there. And it's also testament to the business and it continuing to be interesting and a great place to work and excellent colleagues. And also, you know, a bit to us for um, listening to them and having these good relationships and it is the two way street. So I think it comes down to being a good listener. You work in an industry which is incredibly competitive. And I think that was one of the reasons why I left fashion was I just couldn't, I couldn't handle that part of it. I, I just didn't have it in me. How do you and how did you manage not only the expectations of the industry, but then that alongside the pressures of growing a business? And, and what have you learned about self-belief? I have never really recognized my own self-belief up until I would say the last two years. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm stronger than I've realized. And I've been somebody who, you know, we've, we've built this company. It's successful. The growth has been phenomenal. We're a global entity. We have partners all over the world. We're recognized all over the world. And, that, and it's fantastic. But I'm like, oh, my, you know, it's that imposter syndrome. So, well, that's me and Holly and how did we do that? When did that happen? So there's a lot of imposter syndrome for sure. Um, and we, we, I think Holly and I are very good at, we'll take ourselves away for a spa break together. And it's during that time, we'll really big each other up and tell each other we love each other and remind each other of the amazing things we've delivered and the excellent um, feedback from clients. And I do push our clients for their feedback, not for me, but for my team, because it's so important. They work so hard and it's so important that they get recognized. They get recognized by us, but I want our clients to recognize them too. Anybody that's engaging with a service business, just tell them, that, tell them when they're doing a good job. You know, people shout when someone's not doing a good job, but it's so important to highlight, <laughs> highlight when people are doing great. Um, and it just motivates them to work harder for you. The other thing of, of um, personal self-belief really came from my dad from such an early age. He, he was always self-employed and I would see him being pretty entrepreneurial and I would watch him adapting. And, you know, I was born in the 70s, grew up through the 80s and saw, you know, the various financial crashes of the 80s, 90s, 2009, and experienced that in family life and saw my parents, you know, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth and I saw my parents struggle. I grew up and remember hiding behind a sofa when bailiffs were knocking at the door. I remember my dad selling his car to make ends meet and then bouncing back from it as well. But he never ever moaned, he never stopped smiling and I, could, I still see a picture, it'll make me tear up, but I still see an, a, a really early image of him standing in the driveway, waving goodbye to his red Ford Cortina that he's had to sell to make ends meet that month because they'd really hit rock bottom. And 
he just walked down the driveway to me and he said, it's just a car, Sal. It doesn't matter. I can I can buy it again one day. It doesn't matter. He said, and he's, he would always say, Sally-Ann, they can't hang you for it. Don't get stressed out by things. Don't worry about things. You're not going to die from this and you're not going to go to jail for it. As long as you're honest, keep a clear conscience, be good, you'll get through life. Like there'll be ups, there'll be downs, but just keep moving forward. And that was always his mantra. And it was in me from a child. And I saw the positives and I saw the negatives, but he was always constant. He kept like a constant happiness and super chilled. He's like the most laid back person you'll ever meet. So definitely a lot of it came from him as well. And so something that I always say is that a healthy business is one that is always evolving. So what's next? Um, next for us is we are working more in the lifestyle space. So we're working with more consumer brands, um, fast moving consumer goods. And that's really exciting. We're delivering content campaigns and we're really continuing to grow that side of the business. Um, talent procurement is stronger than ever as well, something we really, really enjoy. And our strategy team really enjoy that kind of work. And, you know, we that's that's kind of how we're guided. It's what do our team enjoy? What do we enjoy doing? We're at the kind of size and space that we can do that now. You know, back in, in the early days, you kind of have to take what you can pick up. We're at the fortunate place now where we can choose what we do who we work with to a degree we can choose what we go after um so that's really exciting and 2022 is going to be really exciting in our industry so i'm looking forward to the year ahead so we'd like to wrap up every episode of unfinished business with a quick fire round that we like to call coulda woulda shoulda your coulda is something that you think you could have done if you hadn't done this your woulda is something that you maybe would do differently. And your shoulda is something that you feel you should do, but you haven't yet. I could have been a paramedic. I'm extremely passionate about what the NHS do. Um, and you know how I feel about people. <laughs> I love I love people. So something that, and you know, if I could like go and be a paramedic for a couple of weeks, I'm here, I'll do it. I think they're incredible people. I think they, you know, we we all love the NHS and what they do, but those guys on the front lines there, it's, you know, when, when you hear about people spitting on them, hitting them, being violent, abusive, it's outrageous. I don't know how they keep getting up and doing what they do. They're amazing people and I would love to help in some way if I could so I um yeah uh, hired a great accountant from day one a hundred percent really really investigate that accountant and make sure he's delivering your <laughs> your filing your tax properly should do but haven't yet this one's tricky um so we're currently going through Corp. Um, and we would really like to get there as fast as we can. I mean, it's intense, isn't it? But it's great. And 
we um, plant trees whenever we take a percentage of our of our clients um, fee and we plant trees with it we do our best to offset our carbon emissions we are supporters of the wildlife trust uk um, and help to plant meadows and sow meadows um, so i we've been looking at our sustainable values for the last really focusing on it for the last six years i would say um you know changing to recycled goods and recyclable and compostable and all of these things through our eventing and our packages etc i wish we had have done that even sooner i think we did adopt it pretty early but moving forward we will be going b Corp as soon as we can yeah that's one of our our big uh, drivers at the moment is helping the startups and the small businesses that we support bake that in from day one because it's so much easier mm. it's if if you don't if you don't have a website surely it's easier if you then the first one you get is from a, a green provider and, and all of these things but there's so much information out there it's it can be a, a, a tricky space to navigate so well done you for doing it as a larger company because I would imagine it's it would be easier to not yeah, it would <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Sally Ann. It is always a joy to speak to you. It's just so much emotion and joy and all of these. You really are an inspiring entrepreneur. You you genuinely are. And so are you. Sending you big hugs over the Oh, oh I'm getting a little teary. Oh, goodness. But you are absolutely <laughs> I'm always emotional. <laughs> no, but it is. It's just, it is, it is really awesome to oh, hear how much your your mission is has stayed so clear and that drive to make the world a better place through employment you know and I think for me I yeah, think it, when so many people say they want to start businesses I often say well what could you do in the company that you're in and I think that you've created a space where people can realize their entrepreneurial ambitions but within the supportive network of a company because you know this is hard it's it is really hard doing this on your own and if you can have a space where you can get the upside and the flexibility and the freedom and the creativity but that support you know that's awesome so thank you thank you Thanks for listening to Unfinished Business. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a lesson. And if you're thinking about starting a business and don't want to do it alone, head over to theinspirationspace.co to find out how we can give you a helping hand and ensure your inspiration take stays full. <laughs>